Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic. I am grateful for finding a new job that eliminates any sales pressure. As of this recording, I am 443 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi. Why don't we start off by introducing yourself to the listeners? Tell us a little bit more about you and your journey. I am... 33 in a master's program and working and living life. My issue in particular wasn't focused so much on alcohol as marijuana and abuse of edibles because they tasted so damn good. And realizing that that was something that could become problematic, like the use of the substance as opposed to it being, quote, like, non-addictive or whatever other lovely words they like to throw around with pot. There's a history of alcoholism in my family, so I've always been like hyper-vigilant about alcohol, and it never occurred to me that there could be an issue with a different substance, that like it, that the substance isn't so much the issue as like the behavior around it. And that was an interesting learning curve over the last like year or so. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I know that those were my top two, quote unquote, like with it was drinking. And if I couldn't drink, I'd be smoking pots, you know, or vaping it or how, however I can get my hands on it. Yeah. And before we get a little more into what it was like in the thing, you know, in the worst parts of your addictions, what would you say some of your favorite hobbies in sobriety are to start off on a brighter tone my hobbies aren't that much different in sobriety so much as that i actually indulge in them Mm -hmm. like i would get stoned and be stoned all day and pop an edible every couple hours and play video games all day and while video games aren't inherently bad like all of a sudden four days had gone by and you're like wait it's friday i thought it was tuesday what's time so I think like it's not so much that I have favorite hobbies that I'm doing is that I'm actually doing the hobbies that I have. Like I'm writing, I'm reading, I'm like going outside and hiking, whereas the, my use of substances kept me very much a homebody and then created a lot of anxiety. So it was like kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of being anxious. So I stayed home, but I was staying I was anxious because I was staying home, but too anxious to go out. And it was just like, well, I guess I better just like treat this and used it more as like a coping mechanism. But it had been the thing that made me need a coping mechanism to begin with. 
Yeah, I can certainly relate with that. And so, you know, a lot of times we talk about how it was like fun at first and, you know, that we certainly didn't stick with it because it was bad from the start. So, Oh no, it was great. I remember smoking pot here and there in my twenties, having the odd edible, having a lot of fun. Um, I remember sex while high was amazing. Sex sober is good too. It's just like, it was just, you know, I like the alt, I like, I enjoyed the altered state when everything was going on. Cause like, I like the edibles because it was like a body high. So my limbs were tingly. Like you felt things differently. Mm -hmm. And, but like, I never had access to it. I always got it from a friend or, you know, someone passed a bag of like chocolates around at a party and you take one. But once it was decriminalized and then legalized in the state I live in, I had ready access to it. So I would, and for a while I was really good at limiting myself to having like one or two and putting like the container away. And then with COVID and either working from home or just not working, you needed to do something to fill the time. And that was there. Yeah. I I believe that was a lot of our experiences with COVID kind of accelerating something that, you know, was a problem of course beforehand, but kind of puts the magnifying glass on it all a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And how would you say your life has changed now that, you're sober not you know, not smoking. So I actually in March, end of March, decided to go a hundred days without using anything. And that ended on like July 2nd. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to reintroduce it and realized after a couple of weeks in July, that just not something I can have at home. Yeah. And it's not, like, so I guess I'm re-upping on the bandwagon, but I, like, I remember, and this might be wording, because, like, I remember when I was growing up, there was this whole movement called, like, being straight edge, mm-hmm. meaning you didn't use substances and all that other stuff. And it was funny, like, I realized I have a, I don't like the word sober. I don't like thinking about it in that regard using like a term like straight edge or something is much more like palatable for me. And it's just kind of like interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, what would you say your favorite part of being straight edges? Oh God. Clarity. Clarity. Like, and being able to like get stuff done, but also like, if I'm choosing to just chill out for the day, it's because I made a conscious choice to do it. Not because I couldn't get off my ass. Mm-hmm. Not because there was like, not because I was too drunk, too stoned to drive. Like that I'm making a choice not to do it. And I feel like when you're under the influence or when you're high or whatever, a lot of choices are taken from you because you've made a different choice. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, I look at my credit card bill and I'm like, Oh, look at all the food I ordered when I was stoned. Damn it. Because like, that's, I think one of the, the other thing too, is like probably having a bit more money in my bank account. Mm-hmm. Not because of it was not because it was necessarily expensive to get the substance, but because like it was expensive to get DoorDash or to get something delivered because 
I wasn't I wasn't going to drive while I was under the influence, which meant everything had to be delivered. And I was never a good planner. Like I'd be like, "Oh, I should get ice cream. Let me have it edible." Wait, I should have done that the other way around. Yeah. So it's I think probably one of the best parts is the clarity and then a little bit more financial stability. Yeah, I agree. And how would you say your sexuality played a role in your addiction? I think that at some point the line blurred between like substance makes sex more fun to I need a substance to have sex, Mm -hmm. even if it was just sex with myself. Yeah. Because I enjoyed, like I said, the heightened sensations. And I remember looking back on it and not thinking that it was problematic, but looking back now, I'm like, how did you not see that this was an issue where like I'd be horny and then I'd take an edible. I wouldn't just like get off or I wouldn't find someone to get off with. Like I would pause, get high and then return to it. And I'm like, Hmm, there was a like, it was fun every now and then with an ex to like get stoned and then have sex, but we were never doing it to have sex. We were doing it because that's what we decided to do in the afternoon. And they happened to overlap, but at the line blurring between it definitely caused an issue. Yeah. And how has that improved since getting straight edge? You can say sober. It's fine. I just, no, I just, I don't know. I kind of, I feel like I have to relearn and I'm still relearning how to like be in my body while horny Mm -hmm. because like you, I feel like I'm feeling things in different places than I did when I was high Mm -hmm. and that like, I didn't realize how much of it was affecting my daily life and that, and sometimes like how artificial the like horniness was like get stoned get horn get super horny but not actually be in the mood Mm -hmm. but you you still like jack off or have sex anyway so i think it's a little bit more of like listening and honoring myself and where i'm at than what i was doing previously yeah i can understand that for sure i know i went through a period when I got like first sober where I didn't have like much of a drive at all for a while. But then when I finally did, like it came back with a vengeance. And so just like learning that, like it's not always just like something that you have to be under the influence for, but being able to, to be present during it has been a a nice experience in sobriety. Yes, definitely. And what are some practices you use in your daily life to help keep you sobering? I have really worked on not turning to something when I'm stressed or having a bad day. I go outside and go for a walk and sweat to death in the summer heat. And when it, like when there's the urge now, it's I try to use it as a sign of like getting up, moving around, or going out, and making a point of like not taking my keys with me because. All of a sudden, I in the past, I found myself like halfway to the dispensary without realizing I was like driving there. I just decided to go for a drive, and then I'm like, "No, you, you're, some some part of you decided where you were going. Mm-hmm. You took a right out of the parking lot and not a left for a reason, and just kind of 
doing that sort of thing, I know that I can't have pot in my house. Yeah. It cannot be here. And like, I don't know. It's just, I have, I haven't experienced anything since like stepping away from it that where like a friend has it is offered it. And I honestly don't know what my choice would be in that situation because I'm not like when I went for a hundred days, it was very much like I will stick to this. And as the number kept getting higher, it kept getting more and more like I felt more better about myself and it was more interesting and kind of, but realizing that like, okay, like I stepped away, I did kind of like a semi-controlled experiment and then kind of stopped. I don't even remember the day I stopped for the second time. So I don't have like a count. I'm not like tracking it the way I was before. So it's just like, I feel like I'm in a slightly weird place with that. Cause I feel like it'd be one of the things I loved about counting the days was knowing like it's been 45 days since you were high. Yeah. Like there's something good about that. And I'm like, do I really want to restart my count at like zero when I know it's more than zero, but I don't want to like guesstimate. And I like, it's a stupid problem or issue to have, I realize, but like, it's also, I'm like annoyed at myself for not remembering when I stopped using it again. Like why? But I don't know. I kind of remember like blinking and July was over and I'm like, that's, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, I've been there before. Now, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone who is curious about eliminating a substance or drug or alcohol from their life? Throw it all out. Mm -hmm. Throw every little bit out. If it's a substance, do something to the substance that prevents you from using it. I found that to be really powerful. I had some edibles and I like, dissolved them in nail polish remover and it was like disgusting and but like i did it specifically with something i knew if i reached in it would hurt me yeah like because like i filled up a jar of nail polish remover popped all the edibles in screwed the cap back on and threw it out but like it took me i think another two or three days to actually take the bottle out to the trash Mm -hmm. like it was like out to like the dumpster or something yeah. like it sat, but I knew like, I'm like, and be patient with yourself, I guess. Like I knew I had to like quote, destroy it before I could throw it out mm-hmm. and just kind of listen to yourself on that. But like, but I think, yeah, the first thing is like, whatever you have, destroy it and get rid of any sort of, I get lack of a better word, paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have a shaker and if you paid like a cocktail shaker and you paid $40 for it, drive over it with your car, like get, make it go away, mm. crush it. If you have like a bong, take a hammer and smash it because part of what's going to happen, at least for me is like, I didn't want to have to spend money again on things I had already bought because like, it's sort of like, you know, you throw out your fat pants when you come off a diet because you never, you don't want you have, and it helps keep you from like needing to buy that size again, because you already owned it. You were already there and applying that logic helped me a lot. 
Yeah, I can definitely understand that. And in recovery, we generally love our like sayings and our quotes. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra you like to try and live by? Not so much that I try to live by or anything, but I never really understood what one day at a time meant until I was going one day at a time. And that it really is about making a choice, you know, can I make another hour? Can I make it another like three hours? Can I go another day? And that like a hundred days was a lofty goal for me at the time. And like, honestly, like having one of those like day counter things was super helpful because I was like, Oh yeah, no, it's been like 12 days. Oh, it's been 20 days. And then like, uh, I feel like it gets easier the longer that you've been going because at that point, like, you want to keep your streak going. Mm-hmm. It's not even that it's not that the cravings aren't there. It's not that you don't want to like, for me, it wasn't that I didn't want to get stoned again. It was that I didn't want to start over at zero again. And like, I don't know. It was all, it became like a game or a challenge, like a quest in a video game. Like, you know, when I reach a hundred days, I level up or something. And that was sort of like the one day at a time thing really made sense and stuck with me. Yeah, I can certainly understand. I, I joke like because I, I use a 12 step program where at first, like you you tried to like learn your concept of a higher power. And I use like HP and like as like health points and video games as like my correlation to kind of make it all click. So I definitely mm-hmm. re- always relate to, to video game, you know, comparisons or metaphors when it comes to sobriety. Yeah, no, it's it's great. And then one of the things I realized too was that like I got to day I think I got to like 101 days or 102 days before I tried it again and it was like I remember getting to 100 days and being like okay no like I need to go past 100 like whatever your goal is once you get there you I felt like this really strong urge to be like no I can't do it on day like 100 it, it has to be day like 101 or 102 and then like in retrospect, do I wish I had kept going and would have been on day like 145 now? Yes, but live and learn. Yeah, I understand. And if our listeners wanted to to find you or follow you somewhere, do you have an Instagram you would mind? Not at all. I go by Witsian online, W-I-T-Triple-Z-I-A-N. Excellent. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes so listeners can scroll up and find you if they like. Sure. Thank you so much, Michael. Stick around because we're going to be heading on over to our Patreon page to continue our conversation about your experiences in sobriety. So you can do that by heading over to patreon.com backslash gay a podcast. Also be sure to follow us on Instagram at gay a podcast and follow us wherever you're listening. So you can get new episodes when they come out every Thursday until next time. Stay sober friends.